When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Got a little bit of an abbreviated show today just to uh, wrap up a couple of items. Uh, Roger Federer won his 20th major title uh, early, early morning uh, today in Australia uh, with his Australian Open final victory in five sets over Marin Cilic. A uh, very fun match uh, to watch, uh, back and forth, uh, you got some good drama in that one, but Federer pulls it out uh, just because he's the greatest tennis player ever, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, but, uh, you know, it was a nice uh, co- contest to watch if you get a chance to see the replays on ESPN, but uh, uh, Fed uh, pulls it out in five sets, and uh, yeah, you had a good... Uh, round of uh, tennis uh, to behold, plus a, a nice uh, acceptance speech afterwards uh, from Federer, which is why he's one of those guys you just got to pull for in sports. But uh, getting into the fantasy aspect today, we have the NHL All-Star Game as well as the Pro Bowl. So that leads to the worst tournament of the year for me, and that is the Pro Bowl, Super Bowl uh, tournament play on uh, uh, FanDuel. And uh, there's also now, thankfully, uh, a showdown pool for DraftKings that only focuses on the Pro Bowl because the reason why I hate this tournament is the fact that you have no idea who's really going to be playing that many minutes in the Pro Bowl and again, because it's treated as a joke of a game, yeah, they try to spruce it up to make guys more competitive. But honestly, it's football with minimal contact, so it kind of defeats the purpose of playing football. But be that as it may, we got a contest, so 
Uh, I gotta give you my suggestions for said contest. Again, take this with not a grain of salt, because I, I did at least try to do some work on this one, but, uh, you know, it's it's hard when you can only quasi-predict who's going to be playing today uh, significant minutes. But uh, in terms of the overall contest, uh, the picks that I made, uh, so for DraftKings, they got the showdown set up, so... Basically, you pick four offensive players and two defenders. So, in terms of uh, offense, I picked uh, Roethlisberger. Uh, yeah, hope that he can get an early touchdown to kind of justify the pick. Uh, but uh, you, uh, you know, you got to throw at least one QB in there. Uh, but uh, in terms of that, uh, for your lineup. Uh, I got Roethlisberger in there. We're going to pair him with Le'Veon Bell. Hopefully catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, my uh, third pick, Alvin Kamara. Again, same thought price as Le'Veon. Catches a couple of passes out of the backfield. Maybe he gets into the end zone. And Michael Thomas, just because he's been one of the most consistent wide receivers, you, you might see him get a touchdown pass from Drew Brees today. So you're hoping that some of these guys play more extended minutes. But again, because it's the Pro Bowl, you know, most things are out the window. So uh, you're you're hoping that matchup-wise that they get at least a couple of looks from their QB. So you got Roethlisberger playing, you got Breeze playing, and Sean Payton's coaching the NFC team. So I have a little bit more confidence uh, with uh, playing uh, uh, some of the guys I've got in there. AFC, meanwhile, has the Steelers coaching staff. So... Again, you're thinking that they're going to give a little bit more preferential treatment to their guys. Uh, and realistically, that's <laughs> that's the rationale I came up with for deciding this. The uh, only reason why Antonio Brown's not in the lineup is the fact that uh, I, I think they'll play him a little bit less just because he's still, he's still kind of recovering from that calf injury. So I, I don't see him playing as much uh, uh, given uh, what he's got going on. But, uh, he, you know... We'll see how it goes. I'm not exactly holding my breath over uh, the Pro Bowl lineups, if you will. But uh, uh, that's uh, what I got on tap here. Uh, In terms of the Pro Bowl Super Bowl matchup, uh, basically the way I had it arranged was I got on FanDuel, I've got Tom Brady's QB at 9,700, Deion Lewis 7,100, Kamara, because you got to throw in people from the Pro Bowl, so 6,200. Amendola, 7,400. Michael Thomas at 6,200. T.Y. Hilton, because I ran out of money trying to fit in these rosters, uh, 5,800. Gronk has my tight end, 8,500. Gronk's going to be good to go for the Super Bowl, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, Jake Elliott is the kicker, 4,800. And the Eagles defense, 4,300. Uh, just because New England usually plays games close, so I'm not worried about New England blowing out Philly by any means, even though the scoring line has jumped up a bit. It originally started with New England at 5.5. It's uh, crept up to the 6 range, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it it's one of those uh, situations. It's going to be a little bit fluid. Uh, we'll see how things uh, start panning out once we get a little bit closer to the game. Uh, to see exactly uh, where things line up. But, uh, eh, you know, 
in terms of uh, other aspects to take a look at, uh, we've got uh, the NBA All-Star Game coming up. Obviously, I went into some detail on uh, the Boogie Cousins injury and the impact on New Orleans. Uh, you know, again, there are going to be a ton of teams that are going to be sellers. I think New Orleans probably ends up selling uh, and try to trade Davis. I think they'll try to blow it up. I just don't agree with the thought process because it's uh, uh, it's going up. Oh, uh, actually, yeah, we got we got an update. Um, before I just mentioned that the New England line was six, it was six before. Now it's dropped to four and a half. Uh, hmm. I, I think people are now starting to uh, readjust the uh, scoring lines because uh, yeah, we we just had a. Look like we had a shift in the money line here. Yeah, so the money line in New England's now dropped to 210. So bet 210 to win 100. Uh, Eagles are plus 175. Yeah, the line has definitely changed. So uh, definitely some money coming in on uh, the Eagles uh, uh, late this week. So interesting. Uh, we'll see We'll see how it, it ultimately uh, pans out. But that's... Uh, that's the latest on the line here for uh, uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, for the Pro Bowl, AFC is the underdog to the NFC by three points. It's the Pro Bowl. I'm not exactly holding my breath there as, in, in terms of worrying about how uh, the Pro Bowl uh, shapes out. So, anyway, uh, going back into a couple of thoughts that I got a chance to uh, talk about yesterday. Uh, one item being uh, the fact that uh, uh, I talked about the Rangers and I talked about the Islanders. It looks as though, uh, and uh, there are some preliminary reports, that the Rangers are, in fact, looking to blow up uh, uh, blow up uh, the team. I would be shocked if this actually happened uh, in terms of... Uh, just because it's such a departure from the Rangers, I'll believe it when I really see it. But it looks as though the Rangers are now starting to acknowledge that the team does not uh, have it in them to actually make a run this year, which is quite frankly the truth. I, I think they've kind of done the best they can, but uh, you know it is what it is. So you might actually start seeing some movement. Now, the one name that I really didn't talk about was Matt Zuccarello, but the, it looks like they're... Uh, thinking about, uh, uh, you know, if the offer's right, they might actually move on from Zook, uh, Zook as well. Uh, so that's that would be interesting. So uh, it could be that the Rangers end up being one of the bigger sellers if they're leaking this stuff to the post. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, Lundqvist did not seem to be all that worried about the reports when asked by the media. Uh, so... Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes once guys actually start getting moved though by the Rangers, if uh, the reports coming out of uh, MSGR to be believed. Now, regarding the other New York team with major issues uh, on the hockey front, the Islanders. You know, I talked about the Tavares contract situation yesterday, and you know, if the Isles actually believe that they're in a good position to sign Tavares. You know, may, maybe, maybe 
uh, I would say that they're in a better uh, shape than the Rangers. But the truth of the matter is, is that I kind of look at this and I say, uh, for the Islanders' sake, you know, Tavares needs to be locked down before they can do anything else, even ahead of the stadium issue. Because Barclays, as I mentioned, is the worst arena they could possibly play, and they have the lowest attendance in the NHL for that reason. You can't watch games properly in that arena. It wasn't designed for hockey. But Nassau Coliseum uh, isn't remotely close to, uh, to being uh, NHL-ready based off of the reno- uh, renovations. I mean, Governor Cuomo's involved. Uh, you know, there are many people in Nassau trying to make it work that the Islanders can come back there. But the truth of the matter is, the Coliseum isn't ready. It's not close. And also, <laughs> the owners of the Coliseum now are the same guys who own Bar- uh, Barclays. So, Mikhail Brokorov and Brett Yormark are just squeezing the Islanders dry. I mean, it's a terrible situation for the Islanders. You know, honestly... They probably would have been better off sucking up to James Dolan, as humiliating as it would have been, just so they would have had an out clause. Because now Prokhorov uh, is just dragging them over the coals with uh, trying to get them to sign a new lease. Uh, because Barclays can opt out of the lease uh, after this season, and then the Islanders would truly be screwed because they wouldn't have an arena to play in. And they're an NHL team that. I mean, you could be stuck playing up in Rochester. I, I mean, it's an absolute mess of a situation that the Islanders find themselves in. And again, your best player, Tavares, is a free agent. What kind of free agent would sign up for a, a situation which, at best case, best case scenario, is a logistical nightmare where you're playing anywhere from 25 to 30 games at Barclays and then playing the remainder of games at, uh, you know, what essentially would amount to a dump of a, an arena because yes, even though they, uh, they've, they've said they've patched up the leaking areas of Nassau Coliseum. I'll believe it when I see it, uh, just from watching games there, but you know, it's not anywhere close to being, something that you'd be looking forward to as a player when you have so many other options. I mean, Rangers fans, you know, think I'm being way too pessimistic saying that we don't have a shot at signing Tavares, but I look at the chances, like, Joe Thornton's likely uh, to be done for the year with the Sharks and possibly retire at the end of the year uh, due due to his uh, knee injury. Uh, His contract's coming off the books for uh, San Jose, they got a ton of cap space. They've got young players that are and a, a division that's winnable. It's more, uh, uh, more of a luxury spot being out in Cali and San, uh, San Jose than being in a metro New York area. Uh, if you're a superstar athlete making north of nine mil a year, possibly uh, ten mil uh, if you really value. Tavares' services on the open market, he's probably worth over a $10 million a year contract. I don't think he's worth that much, but, you know, the market determines what you're worth, and the market's saying that there's a dearth of number one centermen in the league, and when one hits the market, you're going to overpay. So someone's probably going to pay him 
in excess of nine and a half mil to ten mil a year. Uh, and I just don't think unless the Islanders are willing to give him a ten year deal, which again he's twenty seven years old now, a ten year deal you're going to be in such salary cap hell the tail end of that contract that I I can't see the Islanders with their situation as is being able to forecast 10 years into the future when they can't even figure out uh, how soon they can get up and running with Belmont because Belmont's still a couple of years away, even if uh, they fast track everything uh, to get that uh, arena built and maybe they partner with NYCFC, which I think would be a mistake for NYCFC, but that's a whole different story altogether. But Islanders have huge issues. The Rangers have issues, but the Islanders are in worse shape. Uh, the Rangers, I think, uh, don't have to do complete uh, teardown, but uh, I, I do think that the Rangers need to start cycling out some of these players. If you can get decent value for Ryan McDonough, absolutely, you do that deal. But yeah, yeah, Rick Nash definitely has got to move. Grabner, I just don't see the Rangers paying uh, over six mil a year uh, for forward. The problem is that you know the Rangers need to take a leap of faith on uh, Grabner and move a step on ahead of time. The, the Rangers waited way too long uh, on moving step on. It should have happened before the expansion draft. I, I've talked about it before. Uh, or just made him available in the expansion draft. I thought the Rangers waited way too long uh, getting Stepan off the books, and it didn't really seem like they had a plan in place, given the fact that uh, the tourist trade happened, uh, Deshane moved as well. You know, it's, it felt like the Rangers were uh, kind of playing a wait-and-see approach to see if uh, they could kind of get away with not actually having a number one center and being down a number two center as well and still be in a playoff chase before making a decision on uh, if they uh, start moving guys around. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're in the mix, but they're not going anywhere. So I think now they're fully committing to uh, doing a roster refresh. So a couple other items that I wanted to talk about uh, just uh, from uh, an overall uh Storyline here. Uh, the news came down today that the Calgary Flames have placed uh, future Hall of Famer, to say the least, Yammer Yager, on waivers. So this looks as though it's going to be the end of the road uh, for Yager. Uh, and if it is, it's been a hell of a ride. But, uh, you know, just following Yags uh, uh, throughout his career, it's been incredible just seeing how long. Uh, he's been able to just keep playing for uh, it's uh, it's a truly insane. I mean, uh, just the amount of years played. I mean, uh, since 1990, uh, Yags has been uh, playing in the league, and pretty much I, I can't see another team picking him up. Uh, he's uh, gonna be 46, uh, I believe, in two weeks or so. Because I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, uh, he, he's his birthday is in February, if I remember my Rangers history correctly, but, uh, you know, 45 years old, uh, been injured, uh, a ton this year. He's only had a goal and, and a couple assists, uh, yeah, six assists, uh, and it's been in on injured reserve since, uh, uh, about two weeks ago, you know, 
Yager needs to be in a spot where you have young talent and he can kind of help groom them. Hope, uh, and, you know, maybe he stay healthy enough to stay on the ice. He was able to do that for Florida. I thought he was uh, instrumental in kind of help grooming Marshall Salt and Barkov to be, and Trocek to be some of the offensive plays that they were for Florida. That's why I was shocked when Florida let Marshall Salt walk, essentially, for n- nothing uh, in the expansion draft because it, it didn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, it seemed like a waste of what you – that I mean, but the amount of guys Yager's played with, of, I mean, between all these teams, I mean, he's been on the Pens, he's been on the Rangers, he's been on the Caps, uh, Flyers even. I hated those Flyers years because it was so miserable watching him play and actually play well with Voracek. Uh, I mean, he's been on the Bruins, the Stars, the Devils. Yeah, I hated the Devils too. And uh, obviously the Panthers and Flames, but... You know, uh, even with the years that he spent uh, uh, in the KHL uh, f- for three years, uh, he's still uh, third all-time in goals. It's 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 it truly is amazing that uh, Yager uh, could have had even better stats in the NHL, uh, given the fact that he spent so much time. Oh, it seemed away from the league. Uh, during the lockout and uh, just uh, uh, other times playing the KHL. I mean, over 760 goals. Yeah, 766, 1155 in assists, uh, uh, which would put him fifth on the assist total, third in goals, and second in total points in uh, 1921 to obviously the great one, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, it's just, you know, first battle Hall of Famer, obviously, but, you know, it's just been one of those – Players that, you know, I look back just throughout my time watching hockey, just I always had a blast watching Yager uh, just being such a phenomenal skater on the ice. He was always one of those players that I loved seeing uh, live. And obviously, uh, you know, for the games you couldn't watch live, you could just see him being so creative on the offensive end uh, on TV, uh, just uh, with defenders trying to keep up with him. Uh, just uh, one of those players that, you know, to say once in a generation doesn't do it justice, it's it's one of those uh, uh, players that you don't ever see again, uh, realistically, uh, just in terms of the way the game has changed and guys uh, don't necessarily have the commitment uh, because, again, think about it, it was drafted in 90, 1990. It's just well into your 40s, you, you don't see guys uh, play that long uh, with as physical uh, a toll uh, professional sports takes on the human body. Uh, I, I just can't see uh, that happening, especially with uh, more games uh, being played uh, by players than ever before with the expansion of uh, professional sports uh, leagues. You know, it's just not something that we're likely going to see again in our lifetime but uh you know again if this is truly the end of the road for Yager uh obviously teams have a couple of uh weeks to decide uh, I believe uh, he has uh, uh until the end of uh Monday uh to uh either make a decision as to uh, determine uh, terminating his contract outright with Florida and uh you know, see if he wants to wait for an NHL team to try to sign up for a late playoff run, which, again, I don't see happening just because 
the league with the way the playoff teams are kind of situated it's a bit harder to uh, make a case for uh, guys uh, getting uh, uh, getting uh, the kind of uh, looks at, at Yager's age, I would say, uh, to uh, really be uh, in a mix for a playoff spot. I, I just think that uh, a lot of teams are not necessarily going to be buying players uh, outside of Vegas and not – Again, not to dismiss Yager, but they're young, faster forwards that are goal scorers, and you're not necessarily looking for playmakers like Yager. So I think it's more likely that this is the end of the road for Yager's NHL career, and maybe he finishes up in the KHL or European League, where he definitely has some legs to go, uh, just uh, with uh, not having as much of a burden uh, physically with having to keep up with uh, younger skaters. I think he could... Uh, play for a few more years if he truly wanted to uh, to play until he was 50 in uh, a couple other leagues. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, uh, just a tremendous uh, accomplishment just for Yager's entire career. So as a uh, uh, Rangers fan, I, I do want to thank Yager for giving me a number of good memories. Uh, even though we didn't go, necessarily go anywhere, it was always entertaining watching him play. So, uh, hats off to you, Yogs. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on now to baseball and talk about a team that's been making some waves lately. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I say that, that the, and I don't mean it lightly, I, I do mean that they're making some moves that people weren't necessarily expecting them to, and that would be the Milwaukee Brewers. Because the Milwaukee Brewers uh, made... Uh, some would say surprising move. I, I don't think it's that surprising, to be perfectly honest. Uh, they signed a uh, Lorenzo came from the Royals with a five-year, $80 million deal. And they made a, what I thought was a pretty smart trade for Christian Yelich, uh, acquiring him from the Marlins fire sale. You know, Yelich has a good on-base percentage, a good defense, a nice, solid all-around player. Kane, exact same deal. A great defensive outfielder. Good speed, 300 average. Uh, uh, probably won't be duplicating that for many years, but I think Kane will definitely settle into that uh, 280, 290 range uh, for the bulk of his uh, contract. So I think maybe you get uh, a year or two, maybe where he's uh, right at 300, but that, after that, he'd probably tail off to being a two, uh, 280, 290 hitter, which isn't, again, isn't bad. He's he's got He's still going to have couple of good years of defense ahead of him. And, you know, you combine that with Brian Braun, you got a nice outfield there uh, setting up. Now, the issue where some teams are, uh, uh, so, some people are saying is that Braun, because uh, Braun's still uh, going to be owed about 50, uh, 50 plus million dollars. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm pulling out the spot track. Yeah, $57 million through... 2020 Braun at this stage of his career and again he's not going to be one of those guys who's uh, opting out and getting because again Braun has so many issues off the field with the steroid history that again his value is is uh, pretty much uh, tied to how much the Brewers value him at so as long as the Brewers are interested in him Braun's always going to be a fixture there 
Now, what they could do is they could slide Braun over to first base uh, uh, to make room for Keon Broxton still being in the lineup uh, because Broxton has the speed uh, to be a natural center fielder. Uh, so that would give you flexibility of not having to uh, necessarily uh, use Kane up uh, in center field all the time. You can uh, have him some games at right field. Uh, just to save the legs, you get a little bit more flexibility that way. And Braun can uh, uh, make the transition to be first base. Yes, I, I know they uh, had Eric Thames at first base, but Thames is such a streaky hitter. He had a freakish start to the year uh, with uh, hitting uh, so many uh, home runs. Uh, I think he was over 20 home runs by the All-Star break, but you know, cooled off so dramatically that, you know, Eric Thames was unownable in any fantasy baseball league in the second half of the year. If you did own Eric Thames, and believe me, I, I had him uh, in a league as well, you just were miserable owning Thames in the second half of the year once uh, teams started catching up with him uh, in terms of scouting and started pitching him a bit differently. Uh, he wasn't able to make the adjustment. So to me, you know, Thames is one of those for candidates that I kind of look at and I'm saying, you know, I might actually deal uh, in Eric Thames. If I'm signing uh, Lorenzo Cain uh, and I'm paying him 18 million a year, I'm making a serious commitment to winning. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably looking to get a little bit more pitching depth on the roster. Uh, so, you know, if I'm the Brewers you see where uh, the thought process is coming from. The Cardinals had a terrible year last year. They Nothing's really seemed to go right for the Cardinals uh, in terms of uh, the acquisitions they made. Nobody quite gelled. The Cubs have a number of issues in their starting rotation uh, in terms of what's going to happen with Arietta. Right now, the Brewers are sensing an opportunity where they have, uh, you know, a, a chance to make some noise in the central. The Pirates are selling off, obviously, uh, and restructuring their team. So the Brewers are going to try to take advantage of the little power vacuum in the uh, NL Central. And so, ideally, they need a starting pitcher, and probably uh, they'll need another person on the infield. I'm trying to uh, remember uh, in terms of uh, the best... Uh, available player they had in the infield last year. It was most likely Jonathan Villar, who was absolutely deaf last year uh, to fantasy owners. Uh, Villar had a terrible year uh, batting. I mean, tons of speed, but could not get on base to save his life. Uh, so Villar someone that, you know, the I, I would be looking at and saying the Brewers are going to look at seeing if they can get an upgrade there. Travis Shaw had a breakout year. The Red Sox... I, you know, <laughs> the Red Sox chose Pablo Sandoval over Sean. I mean, oof, that one looks ugly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I look at the Brewers and I'm saying, you know, you add Neil Walker. That's just, uh, it, I mean, they added him uh, midseason, but uh, I think Walker might even be a free agent now. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, just uh, where... Uh, they go from there. I, I just look at this as a team where they have potential to uh, uh, do some damage. Uh, it's just one of those situations where, you know, 
the Brewers are kind of doing what the Mets would do if they were properly run as a major league organization. And I know the Mets fans get ticked off of me when I'm saying that the Mets are so cheap that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you think of uh, in terms of the Wilpons, if uh, they are truly affected by Madoff. I just think in general, the Wilpons are that cheap that they don't care enough about their fan base, that they don't make moves. So they only bring back guys that are slightly less expensive because uh, I mean, the Mets signed Jay Bruce uh, to a, a deal where, you know, they just, I mean, it, to me, it was just one of those deals where uh, he had a, a basically a career year, uh, but no one actually buys into uh, Jay Bruce uh, being a major That's why he only got a $13 million deal because, the Mets kind of read the market and said, oh, Jay Bruce isn't going to get 15. Let's give him a three-year deal with 13, and then we don't have to pay anyone else like uh, Lorenzo Cain. I, I just – I look at it that way is that the, the Mets took the cheapest option they could, and, you know, they go back to their families. They see, we brought somebody back that you kind of liked. And Mets fans are like, no, we didn't want Jay Bruce back. We wanted actual someone else who's uh, going to be valuable, I, you know. Jay Bruce had a good year, but no one uh, really uh, bought into Jay Bruce as a long-term option for the Mets, especially when Conforto needs more at-bats to kind of prove himself. Uh, Jay Bruce just kind of ties up what the the Mets should be doing (laughs) anyway. But, uh, you know, that's the Mets in a nutshell. Uh, So uh, if I'm a Brewers fan, I would be happy just because uh, the Brewers are showing a little bit of commitment as to where they're going for. Well, Mets fan, I'm just kind of scratching my head because, you know, they just kind of try to fit uh, square pegs into a round hole just because from a financial standpoint, the contracts make sense. But, you know, realistically, the Mets needed to sign Lorenzo Cain. Uh, I don't think the Mets would have paid uh, uh, the money the Brewers did. I don't think, I don't see them giving out $80 million contracts, but, you know, yeah, unless you're moving Cespedes, the Mets are in a spot exactly where they were last year where, you know, you're questioning where the offense is coming from and who's going to get the at-bats. Now, the talk of uh, uh, the pre-spring training, but in the off-season talk, uh, they were bringing up the fact that Juan Lagares is training with the hitting coach that did wonders for J.D. Martinez to get more loft on his swing uh, and, you know, hopefully boost his uh, fly ball rate uh, percentage so that he can drive more balls uh, uh, out of the ballpark. You know, it's a nice thought in theory. I just think that uh, if I'm the Mets and I make a questionable signing like Bruce, I got to figure out what my center field position is and also third base. I mean, the the joke of David Wright coming back to the Mets is a pipe dream. I mean, at this stage, David Wright is a insurance <laughs> is an insurance policy only for the Wilpons to collect money on at, at this stage of his career. Uh, it's the spinal stenosis is basically the end of uh, Wright's career. He says he's going to keep trying to play. Uh, logic and reality kind of dictates that. 
yeah, he can try playing and then he's not going to be able to play. And then the Mets will just collect on the insurance money uh, at the end of the year. And Wright's payroll still uh, counts uh, counts uh, on uh, the Mets roster. So essentially they're getting money on the back end while maintaining the minimum payroll that uh, they uh, need to show uh, for Major League Baseball to say, hey, we're we're not bottom of the league in terms of uh, spending. Uh, we're, we're, we're right in the middle when in reality the Mets are just like courting money with uh, the right contract. So the realistic thing that if I'm a fan of the Mets is I'm looking for the Mets to sign Mike Moustakis because Mike Moustakis is the one name on the free agency market that really hasn't generated the publicity that was expected. And, you know, as, as, a, as, it, looks, uh, as it looks to me, Mustakis might actually be one of those guys that ends up going for a one-year or maybe a two-year deal with uh, a little bit more money, but uh, a chance to at least opt out after the first year or just do the one-year contract, and he has a bit of a prove-it year to, again, justify what uh, he's looking for monetarily because he's looking for that uh, $16-plus million range, and he's not getting those offers. So. This could be, again, a repeat of the Daniel Murphy situation where the Mets have a chance to get somebody on the cheap and they go for a far cheaper contract uh, to somebody else because the Mets didn't want to actually put up any money and it felt that they were better than uh, what the actual player value was. So I'm not saying that uh, Mike Moustakis is going to put up anywhere near the numbers that Daniel Murphy did for the Nationals. Don't get me wrong there, but... I do think that Mike Moustakis is highly undervalued in the free, uh, free agency market. I, I would look at it and I'm saying that, you know, if the Yankees didn't already have visions of Manny Machado playing for them uh, next year, they probably would have put up some money to actually bring in uh, Moustakis. Uh, at this stage, the Yankees are uh, have enough young players that they could plug in the third, so they don't necessarily need Mustakis, so I, I think that's part of the the rationale for the Yankees end. But I definitely see other clubs uh, kind of waiting uh, waiting out the situation, see who else does what. But someone is going to get Mustakis, and probably at a discount at the rate uh, this free agency process is playing out, because uh, uh, there's a there's a bit of a thaw uh, about to happen once uh, now that this uh, Lorenzo Cain deal is out of the way. So maybe that might uh, loose, loosen up uh, some uh, future deals as they come down the pipeline. But uh, as it stands, the Mets are just outside looking in and don't seem to be even remotely concerned about it either. So uh, I, I think the uh, Mets fans have a right to be concerned and agitated by their fan base. So uh, I expect to hear more calls coming into the fan over the next month or so because uh, as, it, as it looks uh, from... Uh, the end of January, the, the Mets are going to be one of those teams that are just content sit, sitting on the sidelines while other teams are shoring up uh, uh, their rotations and lineups. So that uh, is going to do it for t- uh, today's uh, podcast. I'm going to start getting into the Super Bowl next week, uh, you know, uh, and I, I still, still am going to try to be as objective as possible, but, you know, given the fact that it's a New England-Philadelphia Super Bowl, I'm not exactly jumping off to see, <laughs> jumping up and down to see this matchup, but it is what it is. Uh, we'll uh, 
make the most of it, and hopefully we get a good game out of it. I'll start doing my uh, analysis and breakdown of both teams, and uh, we'll uh, take it from there to see, uh, uh, A, what's the uh, best play from uh, the actual betting lines, and also uh, from uh, the DraftKings showdown uh, setup, uh, who's a good fantasy option. So that's all for now, and uh, have a good afternoon, everyone. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll, I'll take giselle okay <laughs> is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.